Nulls of wax. Every Tuesday, nulls of wax. Here we go, yeah. Nulls of wax, an old phrase that was used mainly in law to describe something that can be manipulated to suit the interested party. Flexible, malleable, adaptable. I want this podcast to be a collection of all sorts of things that interest me and showcase a wide variety of other people's work, from theatre to politics, psychology, music, poetry, biology, chemistry, comedy, and the rest. Yes, I love these crappy old houses. The moth-eaten curtains, the dust, the ugly old antiques. But you're talking about my family home. Oh, sorry, darling. Was that insensitive of me? I've been silly. I get Miss Brahaham, the Hoover out, first thing tomorrow. Oh, I adore Mrs. Braham. She's a treasure. So running every Saturday and Friday from this Saturday to the 15th of June, which is also a Saturday, I am going to be in this gothic comedy, The Picture of Lady Barbara um, by Robert Farrer. And I'm very excited about it. And um, I'm with him now. And yeah, we're going to talk about the show and what influenced it and and also another show that's running at the same time which will written by his partner Akam and uh that's that will all be in German but yes m- primarily we're going to talk about the picture of Lady Barbara which is the one I'm in well we just we were saying that we've uh for the for the play mm-hmm. we've got some foundation we have got foundation yeah. on Sophia's hand right now and we've got a pinky one and a slightly yellowy one and we are hoping to make her look a little bit pale and gothic. And I think the pinky one's really good, don't you? Well, but they're both good. Well, one's more old lady style and yeah. one's more buto. Yeah. So I'm leaving it up to Robert what he, what he prefers. Well, I will probably pass the buck on to Achim. Achim's my partner and co-director. Well, he's not I, here. He's not here. <laughs> Um, he, he tends he tends to have the last say on costume and, and, and makeup. And I think he'll, he will go for the buto one. Because I think it's more theatrical, actually. So is that what we'll probably be going with? I imagine so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting to see you with that. It's not too buto. It's not... No, it's not. No. It's not like Japanese no. maiden with a white face. Oh, yeah. And yeah, my, news, yeah. my news, ladies and gentlemen, is that I bought myself a big string of pearls for the production. Oh, uh, yes. Rather like the Rocky pearls. Horror Show. Yeah. yeah, they are cool. This Friday is, the, is German... Mm-hmm, show, mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm not in, mm-hmm. um, but this Saturday will be the premiere of the English show, which I am in, and exactly. I and I will be playing um, a, a, a 
housemaid? Housekeeper. Housekeeper. Mm. House. What is the real difference between a housemaid and a housekeeper? Well, a, house, a housekeeper would, would boss the housemaid around. Okay. So the right. housemaid would be quite low status yeah. and would be a, a young girl or something. Okay. And But the housekeeper, she's almost like queen of the house. Okay. Really. Yeah. So would you say like a housekeeper, because uh, it's a story where the, the wife moves in. Yes. Uh, with the... With the master yeah, of the house yeah. so i'm guessing that the, the master has like he's on top of hierarchy yeah he's on yeah? T- he should be yes but like mm-hmm. would a housekeeper be above or below the wife she should be below the wife and but that's exactly the problem in the story and because the story's kind of it starts off as a piss take of rebecca the daphne du Maurier story and the thing is that if the wife moves in and for example She's not as high class as she should be. Maybe he, he, the husband, has married slightly beneath him. You know, maybe she's yeah. just a middle class girl instead of a high class girl. And if she doesn't have enough self confidence, if she's a bit um, shy and retiring, then there is the opportunity for the housekeeper to kind of to dominate her. Yeah. When the husband's back is turned, that's what happens in Rebecca. It's very interesting because it's very class uh, system how we're talking. And yeah. uh, when I came here, the people found it funny how I mentioned middle class. Mm. So um, I don't know if you know, but like, was um, it where? Because Rebecca was set in England, right? Yes. And this is yeah. set also in England. Yes, it is. Yeah. Is this a story that could have happened in Germany? Like this kind of status with house? I. I don't think it could have happened in Germany. Well, might, I mean, the, the story set in, in 1938, which is when Rebecca set, and maybe in 1938 that could have happened in Germany, except that they were just getting ready to have a war. Um, and I <laughs> think, <laughs> I think in post-war Germany, I think something happened to the aristocracy in Germany in the 30s and in the war. I think it kind of was blown apart slightly. And, and since the war, Germany... Germany was reconstructed and it had a, a kind of like a slightly more socialist structure imposed on it by the Allies. Some people mm. say as a, as a punishment to the aristocracy that they were kind of disempowered slightly. Mm. The, the industrialists were OK. Um, but I don't think the class structure really survived the war in Germany. Yeah. And I mean, I've grown up in England and one of the reasons why I now live in Germany is because... England is so weird about class and it can be quite strange. And I think one gets judged as soon as one opens one's mouth in England. You know, you're this class and you're that class. And actually people don't know where you come from or what you've experienced. No, it's very interesting. Um, Yeah. Uh, I don't want this to become a political talk, no. which I feel like it is. No. It's always ending up... Well, cultural. Uh, cultural. Cultural, yeah. yeah. I was just interested... Because we're talking about housekeepers, um, so they, this English culture play mm, really it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it's um, not. But it's uh, so it's an English culture play, and uh, I, I would say it's camp. Are you happy with me saying it's camp? Sure, I mean, yeah. camp, camp is quite a quite a cool word in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I'm so tired of these lazy clothes. The cloying impress of silk, the chaffing of the brass strap, the complicated suspended belt. Oh, how I miss the ruggedness of 
tweet, then you must change. Yes, yes, we must change. You must both change. Yes, and for me, for me, maybe a little sunk might be nice. Yes, maybe the merest whisper of rouge. You said you've been doing this, for, this is the third run. Yeah, that's right. Um, we we started we we the first run was this is actually the, the first this is the first fully public run. So in some ways we're calling these the premieres, the public premieres. Oh, okay. To make it to build up a bit. Yeah. So how, so how did it work before then? Well, we we performed it in the atelier, and so the, and the which is our studio, and that's not really a public space. It's not a public theatre. Mm. So a year ago we had. We performed it with scripts in hand. So that was like yeah. a rehearsed reading with costume, with makeup, but we were still holding the script. And then in November, we got off book and we did it again in the atelier. But, um, you know, now we're moving into Samtisch and Weserstrasse. It's on the street and, you know, you can walk in off the street and buy a ticket and watch it. So it feels much more like a public theatre. So this is, this is, it feels like we're, we're sort of coming out of the of the studio this time. You know, these studio performances are very kind of, it has a slightly sort of privileged, um, enclosed thing that um, people are a bit shy about coming into an artist's studio to watch a performance, you know. This is much more popular. I mean, I guess it's also harder to find as it, well. It, so. is, it is more hard to find. Yeah. But I think the atmosphere is very different because the, the bar we're playing in, Stamtisch, is it's an old-fashioned Berlin bar and it's got the, the, the old barkeepers, Rosie and Norbert, they've been there for 15 years, it's not a hipster bar at all, except, weirdly, it has a stage and lighting and a sound system. So it's like the new wave of Neuköllners, the artists, actually collaborating with the old inhabitants in order to help each other. So the stage is new? Is that what you mean? Well, yes, I think it is. It must be new. I'm not quite sure... Um, about the actual stage. The stage itself is about six inches high. It's not much of a raised area, but there's a black curtain and there's lights and there's sound. And I think what happened was that a theatre group applied to the city of Berlin for a grant saying, you know, we would like to set things up in Stamtisch to do some stuff. But Stamtisch now own this stuff. So that stuff's there. And in the day, they take the curtain down and they put the tables where the stage is and it's just a bar. And then if there's any kind of performance... In ten minutes, you can set it up and turn it into a theatre again. Oh, nice! So, but it's it's really it's really unpretentious, and it's really it's really a working class corner bar. It's fantastic. Is it one a year you've been doing? Um, mm, mm, well, this, this double bill is is the first double bill that Achim and I have have done together. Before that, Achim was doing performance art, and I was doing more like pop music and stuff like that. So. This is actually our first one, yeah. Um, and what happened was that, because I've done theatre before, I've, I've been a theatre writer all my life, on and off. Um, but, I mean, I, it, it can be a very frustrating thing, and, and I kind of gave up for ten years. And I've been going out with Akin for seven years, and then one day we were sitting around at breakfast, and I said, if I, if I knew that there was a, a theatre company that I felt totally relaxed with, I would write theatre again. Mm. And Akin said, well... I'll start a theatre company that you can feel totally relaxed with. And that was it. Can you delve more into what were the struggles? In the theatre? <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I've had three theatre phases. One was like, you know, 
teenage theatre and, and university theatre and, and running up and down to the Edinburgh Festival. And Oh, you've done Edinburgh Festival? I've done Edinburgh okay, Festival. Cool. I've done, I mean, I did a, a play at school when I was 16, which was actually one of my hits. And it was, it was, it was played at other schools and everyone loved it. And then I did university, I did Edinburgh Festival, and then I kind of stopped and didn't and I got drawn into things like pop music and film more, more the more kind of the non-live arts and then in my 40s I got fed up with film and wanted to go live again so I did a series of productions in London at Oval House and um they were fine um there was more money involved there was arts council money but I was very tense and also I wasn't performing in them. For some reason I was, I decided that I was not the right person to be in my own plays. And because okay. I wasn't performing in them, they were missing something basically, which, which is me because I, <laughs> because I bring a lot of, I kind of set the tone in my own plays. I, I'm very, mm. very, maybe I'm over the top or something, but I am very strong in what I do. And also when you write a play and then you're not in it, you're sitting outside and all the actors are watching it and you feel so, like, so disempowered. You've so lost control. I couldn't bear it. I mean... It's interesting. And it's much less stressful to be in it on stage, you know, and then, you know, you know, you can fuck up, you can fake lines, everything can go wrong, but at least you're you're in it, you know. It's so interesting to hear because, yeah, I'm so, at the beginning... Of my okay, I'm gonna not do it just as a hobby. I mean, I yeah. don't know if you count the past where you were doing it at school and stuff, or you were considering it as a hobby. But I mean, uh, it sounds like you were quite into it quite mm. early on, mm. like quite I was. heavily. I was, yeah. So yeah, I do find that listening to other people's stories <laughs> of like the struggles is just what I need. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting. Because uh, I would have thought that um, being a director would be easier. Like it, what, than, than being than acting in it. In it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it was, it was funny because I was, looking back, I was quite unhappy uh, at the time when I was doing theatre in London. Um, and I think it was because I was just too, I was too, I was being too modest. I was holding back. I wasn't. Mm. I wasn't being fabulous enough. And I think since <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, since then, I've kind of I, I did a I did a, some very heavy personal development work at the end of my forties, and I kind of realised that it's extremely important to it's not exactly express yourself, but to to follow what your true desires are. Yeah. And if you hold yourself back, you can't function well. If there's something that you want to do. But you're just like, for some reason, you're not letting yourself. Then your energy's blocked, you know. And so if what you really want to do is to have the main role in your play, then you should do it. Yeah. And it could be a disaster, but at least the energy's flowing. And at least it means that maybe then as a writer, you were a more relaxed person to write your next play. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, has it changed? Apart from, you said the uh, the location is different but the actual development of the play um yeah i think it has changed because because when akim and i started last a year ago um we it had both been a long we were kind of rusty in various ways i hadn't actually been live on stage since university and that's a long gap 
because I'm in my 50s now. So that was like... So Alice... since university and three years ago, you were never live on stage? Yeah, yeah. so I was, I was not live on stage for about 30 years. Wow. Even though, but I had done other things because I had... I mean, I've acted a little bit in small films and, and I had two careers as a pop singer. I mean, in, in, in my 20s and in my 50s. So you don't count being a pop singer on stage the same as... Well, that's the thing. It's very similar. Yeah. But in some ways, and I came back to to Berlin, and I had a whole fit, a, a whole phase of, of of doing pop music again, and that was actually very good for my um, confidence. But it is different if you're learning a role, and in this role, I'm on stage for most of the play, and mm. it's so I'm on stage for about an hour, yeah, or more, and I'm talking most of the time. So it, you have to learn the lines, and then yeah. you have to. I mean, as a if you're doing pop music, you have a lot of leeway because the stage is your um, is your sort of kingdom, and you have you can do absolutely anything that you like on the stage. You've got your songs, which is great, and you know the lyrics, and you know the words. That, that gives you something to give to the audience when you have to deliver a product. Yeah. But in between or during, you can do anything you want to do. So it's a it's. Um, it's a very freeing sort of thing, a music performance. But were you with other musicians? Yeah, sure. So it was a band. It was a so. Would you, but I was was that the same with all uh, bands? Because I would have thought it's a, more like a play because you they yeah. rely on you for cues. Yes, and, they do. I've never been in a band, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious. They do, works. but I think um, <laughs> and there are similarities. But I think what I'd say is that with a play, it's much th- that. Certainly the kind of theatre that I'm interested in, there is really not a lot of space for improvisation. Because if someone starts to improvise and significantly changes the words, the other person doesn't know where they are. Mm. So the reason why actors have a script and try to keep to the script is so that the other actor can carry on. And so there's a a very strong feeling of interdependence in a play whereas in a, in a band sure i mean the bass player and the drummer they they keep in time everyone keeps in time but there is this looseness okay. and, and the singer can like roll on the floor and kick his legs in the air which singers do right. you know or the singer yeah. can like leap into or the singer can like flirt with someone in the audience or or invite someone on so it, it's there's a lot of room for for being creative with the space when you're doing a, a singing performance it's interesting no that makes sense Whereas yeah. this is like, no, nail it down and be there and be predictable for the other actors every night. Otherwise, it could go pear-shaped. And you don't really want... I mean, it could go a little pear-shaped, especially mm. this kind of theatre. It's quite relaxed. So if someone, if someone forgets their lines, they can say, I've forgotten their lines. But what the audience really want is for that not to happen. You know, even in, a, even in something camp, the audience would prefer it if everyone remembers their lines. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Miss Brahan was, well, she was the only mother I, I had in a manner of speaking. My real mother was, well, a kind of nymphomaniac, one would have to say. Um, if it wasn't some buff lifeguard in a tight, stripy Breton shirt, it was some rugged boatman in a pullover that or maybe some cheeky little postman in a 
Sorry, I was just oh. thinking, I hope I'm not making her nervous. And especially with, especially, <laughs> yeah, Sophia, sorry. in your case, you've come into this play after everyone else. And I always said, it's fine if you need to have that script in front of you for the last, the last phone call. Really, I promise it's fine. But tips, um, learn before you go to sleep. Okay, sleep. That's before you, uh, yeah, before you yes, sleep. Yeah, like, and l- sleep. L- last and sleep. <laughs> last thing at night, get plenty of sleep. Do you, actually, do you have any footage of past ones? Yeah, there is some footage. Um, on on Facebook, there's a trailer. Okay. And so you know, with when you film theatre, it doesn't it doesn't unless it's done very expensively, it doesn't really have the magic of theatre. So I try to release as little as possible. Okay. But there's a tiny little trailer on the Facebook event which has um about three minutes of Lady Barbara and three minutes of the bonbons. I think I've seen that, yeah. yeah. So, you put up some rehearsal that you did recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, there's little snatches of rehearsal yeah. on Instagram just so that people know that yeah. it's happening, you know. Okay, cool. And I'll, I'll probably stick some more up in the next few weeks. Next, yeah, next I was more wondering if I could watch it through so I could, oh, so well, I could you, kind of rehearse on my own. You can. Yes, you can, sure. Oh, it's, so it's, you've, you've got footage, then, but you just not I release could, it. I could send you the link. It's, it's set to private. Ah, okay, cool. That's so, a very good idea. Yeah, and then yeah. it might, uh, yeah. And then you see the scene, and then you and then you hear the lines. I mean, I think that your Mrs. B is going to be very different from Julian's, and I'm hoping it's going to be um, more ghostly and more vampirish than Julian's. But, but but I could I could do a thing where I like uh, put it turn the sound on and off. So when sure. when I'm speaking, I turn it off, do my lines, yes. and then they yes. so I could don't need. Yes. Yeah, I could try and... And then that's like me rehearsing on my own. Well, you'll definitely... You'll see the final scene, which is... I mean, the thing... The conflict scene between you and me, it's fairly clear. It's That's the conflict. But the final scene is this ceremonial thing. And I think it would help if you could see it. So I'll send you that link. Perfect. To-do list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love a to-do list. Um, Cool. So um, you said inspiration is from Rebecca... To, yeah, yep. uh, actually, my real rock solid inspiration is a guy called Charles Ludlam, and he um, had a theatre company in New York from about sixty-five to about eighty-four, maybe sixty-eight, eighty-four, and so he came out of that 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 mad New York of, you know, whoever it was, Andy Warhol and and, and Jack Smith and and all those those weird avant-garde people, and. Um, he he was like the Shakespeare of, of the trash era and he put on about, I don't know, 20 plays or 30 plays in that time. Yeah. And he was always, almost always in them. And uh, I was reading those and it was very inspiring because it's not, 
it's not mainstream theatre. It's not the sort of thing that that you see at the National Theatre at all. It's very no, colourful. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very colourful, very silly. Yeah. But not like silly where it's you, you know you don't know what's going on. There's, there is a clear storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Organised silly. Yeah. <laughs> Organised silly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Mm. And um, yeah, I think that you know, there's also aspects where you can see you can see personality traits in, in people you know. It's not just yeah. someone who doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. you know, uh, comedy, comedy yeah. value, yeah. and um, but also bringing back this old older style. Mm. I think, but with more color. Yeah, or well, I think I think Akim and I were sort of like we're pre postmodern in a way. Pre-postmodern. Well, we're not postmodern, okay. <laughs> and um, I don't know whether we're pre-modern, but well, we like things like Shakespeare, we like Moliere, and um, uh, we don't want to do we don't want to do old-fashioned theatre, and we don't want to revive anything. But we like that we like the way theatre was in the old days. That you know, it was performed on a cart, you know, in the village square. Yeah. We like that kind of rawness. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, have you ever performed on somewhere like a cart? <laughs> on a cart. <laughs> or well, somewhere. Well, kind of. I was um, when I was when I was my pop persona of Merlin Dietrich. I was on. I was in Gay Pride, the, the, the procession um, on someone's cart. I suppose that counts as a cart. I was singing my hit. That's cool. What yeah. is your hit? Well, I had a minor. It wasn't really a hit, but um, in 2015 there was um, a thing called the Berlin Song Contest. It only ever had two editions. It was meant to be Berlin's answer to the Eurovision. It was a fantastic thing. What do you mean Berlin's answer was there? Well, it, um, you, you know the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy, there is a guy called Chris Rudolph, who is very enterprising, and he thought, okay, Berlin should have the Berlin Song Contest. And because it's international. Is well, that the idea? not quite, no. what He, he wanted to do a, a scaled-down version, just for fun. And so each district of Berlin oh. <laughs> would send up a singer with a song and they would compete just like the, the Eurovision and then there would be a, a winner. Okay. And um, they actually had a jury prize and an audience prize and I won the jury prize. So during Gay Pride, there was a, a Berlin Song Contest float and at okay. a certain point I was on the float singing my winning number, which is called Flying Out to Berlin. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that was the... Do you want to sing pinnacle- a bit? <laughs> Flying out to Berlin on a plane! It's in 
Nose of Wax, every Tuesday, Nose of Wax, bye for now, yeah. Nose of Wax, every Tuesday. You can contact me at noseofwax, noseofwax at gmail.com, any comments or anything, welcome. Mostly, mostly anything, welcome.